Kennedy pointed to the screen and a series of photos played out, showing charred buses and grotesque bloody bodies. These bombings have all been linked to the fundamentalist Palestinian group Hamas. Hamas has stepped up its attacks recently in an effort to derail the Middle East peace process. Hezbollah and Hamas have done very little to help each other's causes. That is, until recently. Aziz and Harut have been looking for a way to continue their fight as things have calmed in Beirut. They found their opportunity after Israel assassinated Hamas leader Yehya Ayash in 1996. Hamas turned even more militant, stepping up its efforts to drive Israel from the West Bank and Gaza Strip. In this most recent period, the Israelis have noted a marked increase in the sophistication of Hamas bombs and tactics. It is our belief that Rafik Aziz is responsible for this. To make matters even worse, we have also learned that Saddam Hussein has offered to help fund some of the group's actions. President Hayes shook his head slowly and scowled. Kennedy raised an eyebrow. It gets worse. The stipulation that Saddam has put on the money is that it be used to attack the United States domestically. Kennedy stopped to make sure the president understood how serious she was. General Campbell and I have put together a plan to grab Harut. Kennedy looked to General Campbell and nodded. Campbell rose from his chair, and with his ramrod posture, he marched to the front of the room. Mr. President, Harut, like Saddam, never stays in the same place for more than three or four nights at a time. This is the first time in over a decade that we have been able to track his whereabouts for more than a day and be in a position to do something about it. President Hayes listened to the general intently and tried to be objective. Hayes was a student of history and knew that to never use force was foolish. If he did not act tonight, it might someday cost the lives of Americans. Terrorism had to be confronted. He could not pass on this decision. In the Iranian seaside city of Bandar Abbas, an elderly man shuffled down a dusty street in his dirty white jalaba a simple, robe-like garment that flowed from his shoulders to his ankles. A brown turban covered his head and face, a pair of worn leather sandals his feet. The decrepit old man mumbled to himself in Farsi, the native language, as he went. Like so many things in life, appearances could be deceiving. Underneath the ragged turban and jalaba was 190 pounds of solid, lean muscle. Mitch Rapp, a 31-year-old American, hadn't showered in a week. His deeply bronzed skin was covered with a film of dirt, and his black hair and beard were spotted with streaks of gray dye that made him look twice his age. When he played the role of street bum, he kept his posture slouched and his demeanor timid, but his eyes and mind were alert. He scanned doorways and windows and listened to conversations, waiting for a clue. Rapp was searching for a man, a man he wanted to kill. Six months earlier, on a rainy Paris night, Rapid had his chance and blown it. A moment of hesitation, of stupid indecision, had allowed Rafik Aziz to escape by the narrowest of margins. Never again, Rapid sworn a thousand times. Next time he would pull the trigger, innocent bystander in the way or not. Tonight, Rapp was determined to pick up on the trail again. The streets he walked belonged to Hezbollah, one of several militant Islamic groups that dominated the underbelly of Middle Eastern politics. The terrorist group had killed thousands in their jihad, their holy war. Rapp adjusted his turban to conceal everything but his eyes. 
Then, he turned the corner and continued the shuffle of a man more than twice his age. Several doors down, a man sat on a folding chair with an AK-47 resting on his lap. As Rapp approached the bodyguard, he pulled his turban away from his mouth. Smiling, he flashed a fake set of rotten teeth and greeted the armed sentry as he shuffled past. The large man nodded and then leaned back in his chair, resting his head against the wall of the house. General Campbell finished the mission briefing and stood at the far end of the room with Kennedy. After a minute of silence, President Hayes looked at Director Stansfield. Who is this man we have on the ground? Director Stansfield closed his mission summary and placed it on the table. He is one of our best. Fluent in three languages, not counting English, and he understands another half dozen dialects. Well,